0: Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. So we're going to talk a little bit about family uh, today uh, and what God intended the church to be, and that is He intended the church to be a family. So oftentimes what we do is we segment family from our church family, and although there is blood, Jesus said, who is your mother, your brother, your sisters? He, he challenged the regular thought and recognized the fact that as we come into relationship in the church, that that's the family of God. Doesn't look that much like that today. One of the things that we feel very called to is not so much worrying about growing a big church, although we want to grow and affect as many people as we can. We want to be motivated by growing big people. And how you grow big people is you invest in them. You honor them. You act as if they're family because we are the family of God. Say that with me. We are the family of God. He intended it to be family. Matter of fact, it's so family that he calls you his, he calls you sons and daughters and he calls you the bride. There's a very family thought process throughout of all scripture about the family of God. So I just want to talk just a minute about why why we come into this family setting. And then we're gonna take communion with that idea in mind. And, um, and then we'll worship a minute and be dismissed, okay? Does that sound cool? <clears throat> family doesn't complain about the parking lot. <laughs> and the grass on your shoes when you come in the door. <laughs> Next week, we're going to have a parking lot out front. This is Chris right here. Chris, raise your hand. He's the one that's doing all this work around here, and he's the one that's making the mess. I'm not doing anything. He's making the mess. <laughs> and, uh, and so, we, you know, just thank you for, for that. I just want to let you know there will be a parking lot out here next week. There should be a parking lot out here, ready to park in next week. So thank you for, for, for uh, that. And that was not in my notes, but here we go. So why should we even be part of a church or be a member of a church or a church family? Why should we identify with a church family? And there's a lot of reasons in Scripture. The first one in Ephesians 2.19 Paul writes, you're a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. He, he reckons, he, he, he says to us, he uh, announces that we are part of a family. You're part of God's family. What does a family act like, and why should we be a family? The, the biblical reason is that, is that Christ loves the family of God. He loves the church, and he gave his life for it. Secondly, if we're not part of a family, we can't grow spiritually. If you're not part of a good family, you can't grow spiritually. There are so many people that I know that either just attend church and they just want to disappear. They want to go somewhere where they can sit and disappear. And that's not what church was designed to do. And it's not designed to entertain you. It's designed to grow you up. And we're in relationship with each other. And and that's what God's intent for the church was to be from the very beginning is it produces spiritual growth it produces accountability and uh and that helps you grow just this week i got multiple calls from people at other churches and i'm talking about when i say multiple i mean on the top side of five that when they got in trouble they called us and i just want to say to you this morning, don't wait till you get in trouble to actually get connected to the body of Christ in a way that you're growing at such a rate that you don't get yourself in trouble because you're really not committed to God. Some of these folks are in ministry. And their comment to me was, I really hadn't been in much relationship with God for the last 10 years or so. I mean, going to church every day, I've been active in ministry, but I find myself in a situation that is, it's really bad and I can't seem to get out, but I need your help. Well, you know, really you needed my help 10 years ago and you might, now I don't, I don't say that uh, negatively. I'm just saying that we in this room don't have to be in that condition. You don't have to go there. You don't have to be there. One of the things that you're going to find around here that's different than uh, other places is there is great accountability. And if you'll honor each other and love each other and speak truth and life in each other and expect God to move and do miracles in each other's life, what you'll find is a whole different environment than you find in a lot of churches. Not all churches, but a lot of churches. And so our ministries from our kids up, you know what we were praying in staff not long ago is that our kids and kids ministry would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We, we, we're not interested and in, we want the greatest kids ministry there is, but what we're really interested in them is having a relationship with God and teaching them how to do that. And we're gonna pour into them to do that. Our middle school is the same. Our high school is the same. We want these people to encounter God and we're going to create an atmosphere that doesn't want to entertain them no matter what age they are, even though it's going to be fun. Our main goal is to help them enter into a relationship with Jesus. Now I know that people say that all over the place. All churches would say that that's their underlying motive but they really aren't doing a very good job of doing it because it's hard to do. As a family and as as ministers of the gospel, prayer is absolutely imperative to have relationship with Jesus. The church should be intercessors by nature. It shouldn't be a place where we just come and we get entertained by the good music and the pastor, but we're actually learning how to communicate with God. And our children, the only way that we can teach them how to follow God is to teach them how to pray. But if they only pray on Wednesday night and Sunday morning and never pray with their mom and daddy, there's a missing link that's huge. And so our desire as a family is to teach you how to pray, what you need to pray, get you used to praying. That's why we pray on Sunday morning. That's why we do the things we do on Sunday morning so that you can go home and be more comfortable. Let me just say this. You're never going to do it out there if you can't do it in here. This is the absolute safest place that you can pray. It's the safest place that you can pray. So if our six-year-old doesn't know how to pray, Then we've got an issue. We've got six years old, olds, or eight-year-old. I don't know how old your boy is. How old is he? Yeah, he's eight. Dreams and visions. I mean, incredible dreams and visions. It's absolutely amazing. Now, if he was not introduced to that, it wouldn't be happening. Unless it was some just, right? But it's, it's become the norm in this family. And so there's an expectation of it. And so I'm saying that to say this. Everything that we do is identifying with this family is so that you can know that God's committed and loves the church and that you have to grow and there needs to be accountability. Now, there's accountability in a lot of places. The first place that there needs to be accountability is unity. How many of you know that the first tactic of the enemy is divisiveness, is to bring division? Do you see that in our country today? I mean, it's amazing the divisiveness we see currently. And, and you can see the enemy all over it because there's no good solution that we're seeing right now. The only solution that, that is for our nation today is to love one another as we love ourselves. You just got to love people. You got to love God, and you got to love people. And there's not a lot of that going on. There's a lot of divisiveness. And so unity in our family is a must. We need to act in love towards one another. We need to absolutely refuse to gossip. How many of you know that when I've got bad stuff going on and I've got dysfunction, which we all have, why don't you look to the person to the left or the right and say, you know, the preacher's really dysfunctional. Go ahead, say that. (laughs) He's a really dysfunctional guy. He is, we all got family issues, don't we? We all got stuff, we all got junk, it's just different junk. Some of it's the same junk, it just looks different. You know, it comes across different, but pride, how many of you know, comes across in so many different ways. The fruit of pride just comes, comes out in all different ways. So here, we want to, we want to uh, build a culture of honor where we're not gossiping about each other. We just know each other's broken. Not only do we know each other's broken, but we have this great expectation and anticipation that Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, is going to come upon each individual. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to be reconciled, and they're going to be healed. In every aspect of their life, if they'll commit to the process. And so we have to be unified as a church and we have to follow leadership. Now, that's cute, cool. Um, that is, yes, that is um, important because God always uses authority, He always uses authority. And so we got to follow leadership now, if leadership starts leading you down some stupid path, you don't don't do that, but as long as it's leadership, and I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about the missions director, I'm talking about the youth pastor, I'm talking about those in authority uh, they if they're following God they're going to actually actually get a message from God and try to lead in the right way. if that doesn't happen they they, they will be willing to listen to you in whatever. Thing you think they ought to change, but just don't require them to change it if they disagree, and that's what following leadership actually really means. And then you go home and you actually pray for them that they'd hear from heaven, right? But there is a unity in spirit. Romans 15 5 says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like minded toward one another, say, like minded toward one another according to jesus in other words you're to be like jesus toward each other i had somebody else talking to you yesterday and they were ranting and raving about work and this is what i told them i grabbed them and i hugged them and i said listen if you're going to do that at work don't tell anybody you go to east side because that's not the reputation we want at your workplace. What we want is a reputation that says that we're going to treat each other like Christ. We're going to love, we're going to honor, even especially when we disagree. Can I get a hearty amen instead of dead silence? Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt word, say that with me, let proceed out of your mouth. Golly, let's read it out loud together. (laughs) This is good. Let's read it out loud and loudly. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. If I were you, I would circle the word let no none zip zilch does that convict anybody in the house it convicts the preacher but we're being changed right we're being changed hebrews 13:17 obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account let them do so with joy and not with grief can I get a big amen on that? Amen. Come on, that's not big enough. <laughs> well, that would be unprofitable for you. <clears throat> that's interesting, isn't it? I could preach on that for days, but I'm not. <clears throat> so we need to be in unity as a family. <clears throat> so we ask people of Esau, people who join our family, people who identify with us, that we would share in the responsibility of this organization, this this church, this body of believers, by committing yourself to personal growth, and in that personal growth, <clears throat> you would be committing to helping your family grow. One of the things that I hear, and I hear it, I hear it every now and again, and it just kind of, I just kind of go, why? But you you hear of families who who are active in some areas but their kids go to some other function with some other group because friends are going there and they and they aren't getting what is on this house and i think to myself what are you thinking you know, we just, did a, we just did a conference for a whole other youth organization, and the Spirit of God fell out on a bunch of kids that they ain't never even experienced it before in their life. And you're going to take your kids somewhere else. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. When the leadership here is going to make sure your kid gets in the presence of Jesus, which actually has the ability to change something. So we are counting on you to commit to personal growth. We are asking you to share in the responsibility of this church by expecting God to use you in the lives of people around you. You've got to come to a place where you actually come in the doors and expect God to speak to you and to speak to other people through you. We want you to commit to that with an expectation of that we want you to commit to, to this church and and be a part and have responsibility by intentionally engaging newcomers and loving them and praying for them did you notice that we have people praying for people coming in the doors today we gonna pray heaven down in this place no matter what's going on amen we believe that actually prayer actually works and so we expect you to share in the responsibility of growing, of pouring into people uh, that you expect God to use you in a mighty way. Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2 says, We give thanks to God always for you, always making mention of you in our prayers. We're constantly praying for people. I love Danny Dry. Is Danny Dry in the house or is he still in the parking lot? He's, he's outside. Uh, He's got a list. Your name might be on Danny Dry's list. He's constantly praying for families in this church. Every day he's on his face praying for us. And and that's, that's the expectation that we have for one another. Luke 14, 23 says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and byways and hedges and compel them to come to the house of God so that it can be filled. Romans fifteen seven says, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And so you're going to uh, make sure that we honor each other and that we have unity here. We're going to make sure that we share the responsibility. We're going to make sure that we serve our church family. We need to discover and work and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit here, we put a lot of emphasis on being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I hear people talk all the time, and they they try to do the Christian walk, the Christian life in their own strength, and it's absolutely impossible. And so if you hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to find out more about it and have an expectation that you're gonna get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you're gonna receive power to live the Christian life. We expect that as a church family. We want you to be a person who is equipped by the pastoral care team to bring heaven to earth. We believe that everywhere we go, We have the opportunity to bring light to a dark place. And we expect people who are part of this family to have that mindset. We want you to have a mindset that your job is to bring heaven to earth. Now listen, that's what Cheryl was saying. There's a mindset in the church that says, all hell's breaking loose I'm full of fear. I wish I wasn't raising kids today, or I'm glad I'm not raising kids in this generation. And let me just tell you something Heaven is not fearful of hell. He's not, God's not in his throne looking and said, Oh my gosh, can you believe what we're putting these church people through? Do you think he might have an expectation? that he's placed you here so that you can show your kids how to be an intercessor, so that you can show your children how to bring kingdom to different things in your life, how to have hope, how to have peace, how to be filled with joy in the midst of trying times and all the things that's going on in the world, how to actually move into something, how to have great marriages. All those things God has placed the church here to show the world how to do. He doesn't want us to be scared. He wants us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But for far too long, we've been trying to do it on our own or trying to do this cool church thing that doesn't have much to do with heaven at all. God wants us to be transformed in his image, by his power, so that we can show the world that he's still alive, that he's not Muhammad, that he's not Buddha. He's different. He's not dead. He's alive. He actually does something. He's not a God that we're just talking to and not getting anything from. I had somebody this week, this Not in a good situation with their thinking about their marriage, and there's probably people in the room in the same condition. And they were saying they were praying to God, and God wasn't talking to them. And I listened to what they had to say, and I said, Listen, man. I said, you're praying to the Lord, expecting him to agree with you and to anoint what you're doing when it's contrary to the ways of God. If you're waiting on that, it's just not going to happen. He's saying something to you. He's saying, get right with me so that you can actually do the right thing. But you've convinced yourself that your way is better than God's way. It's happening all across the church where people are selling themselves on all kind of worldly ideas that say somehow this is a better way than what God asks us to do. And that's not the way the family of God operates. And that's not what we expect here. We expect you to line up with the word of God. We expect you to be an intercessor, a prayer. We expect you to minister to everyone around you so that you bring heaven to their situation by praying boldly the things that are true. There ought to be such an awareness to the lies of hell in your heart and in your mind that any time you hear a lie, you would call it out. Anybody that's a believer, you hear a lie from them, you would just immediately call that thing out and say, that's a lie from hell. That's a lie from hell. That's not what God says about you. There, there's nothing about that that has any truth on it. And then begin to be able to pray the kingdom. In other words, you've got to know the lie, and then you've got to know the truth on how to pray the kingdom. And you don't get there by accident. And you might not be there now, and I don't want you to feel guilty. There's no guilt on this message. There's no guilt. We're all in progress. you just got to submit to the process. You've got to make a decision in your heart that this is what you want to be about. And the only way to be about it and actually be successful at it is to do it God's way. There are too many people I hear today saying, I'm just giving up on the church. I'm just not going to go to church anymore. I'm giving up on the church. It's just not doing anything for me. And I think to myself, you actually think that's a better way? How do you convince yourself that somehow that's a better way? Somehow you got convinced that that's a better way. Then what God said do when He said, "Don't forsake yourself of, of assembling together, especially when you see times getting rough." And so never come to the conclusion as part of this family that the word of God or the ways of God are secondary to any idea that you might have or anybody has in leadership. Amen? And so this is what we can do. We can get real determined that we're going to be diligent about the pursuit of God, that we're going to be part of a family that's actually going to make a difference in the world. There have been so many prophecies over this place that this is, this is going to be a place of revival, right? I mean, we've heard it time and time and time again. But let me just say, revival starts with you. Revival starts with you. What does revival look like? It looks like somebody that's having an encounter with God that's getting changed to the point that it is recognizable from the outside that they're not the same person they were yesterday before the encounter with God. That's revival. Revival is constantly humbly submitting yourself to God, letting him transform you into his image, moving you from the place of defeat, and imprisonment to a place of victory and abundance. What in your life aren't you dealing with? What in your life, and this is big for me this week, what in your life are you selling yourself is a better way than what God says about it in his word? Have you come to some conclusion about your condition and your situation in your life that you have gone down a pathway that's, that's not quite lining up with what God says and you've convinced yourself that that's a better way? When it comes to politics, when it comes to the workplace, and when it comes to your family, probably in the other order, what is it that you're aligning with? This contrary to what God says. I'm not through, but I'm absolutely out of time. <laughs> and we're gonna do communion. Yes? yes? So would the people come that's gonna pass out the communion and we're gonna kind of do it a little different. Thanks for listening to the East Side Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website eastsidechurch.co